This is the message given by Pastor James Lim during the evening worship service at Faith Presbyterian Church, Long Beach, California, for January 21st, 2024. The title of the message is, When God Feels Far Away, Part 2. Well, if you'd open your Bibles with me to uh, Psalm 10, we continue... Uh, the second half of this particular psalm. And this evening, I thought I would give more of a, a devotional and a meditation from that the second half. But let me just give you a little bit of context of the first uh, 11 verses. Last week, we looked at how uh, when we are in trouble, when we see the wicked prospering, when we uh, find ourselves... Uh, in trouble and trial, sometimes God feels far away, that he's allowing the, the wicked to prosper, and we're wondering, where is God in the midst of our suffering? And so you see in verse one there, why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? And this just reminds us that uh, the way things are, uh, the way things appear to be is not necessarily the way things are. And so in verses 2 uh, verses uh, two through 7, we see the arrogance of the wicked. You know, he lays out uh, the pride of the wicked and, and the things that they say and how they deny the existence of God, right? They say that there is no God. And then at the same time, from the other side of their mouth, they say, well, whatever wickedness they do, God will not see. God won't remember. He's not going to do anything. And so you can see the very the arrogance of the wicked here. And then in verses 8 to 11, we see the aggression, the aggression of the wicked, that they plot and plan to oppress uh, the the the, the the weak and the poor and the needy. And so the psalmist is saying, you know, look at what they're doing to uh, the widows and, and, and the orphans. And how can you let this happen? Lord, where are you? And so now we come to the second half of Psalm 10, verses 12 to 18. And here we see a shift, a shift from looking at the appearance of things, as if God is far away, he doesn't care what's going on, to a re-centering of what he knows to be true about God. So now here, the reading then of, of God's word, beginning in verse 12. Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand, forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? But you do see, for you note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. Uh, to you, the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. 
The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. You know, I remember uh, when the Twin Towers were still standing, and I, this was the, probably the last several months uh, of living in New York City before I had to move. Uh, my brother had come out to visit me, and so we decided to go up to the observation deck and then to the very roof of the World Trade Center. And you, you could, if you walked the edge of the rooftop, you could look over the side and you can see the drop. It just seems so, so far. Everyone looks like ants at the bottom. And I, I knew in my head that I was safe. There was, there was a nice high fencing, and I, I knew that the wind that was blowing uh, in my back isn't going to blow me over, and I'm not going to fall apart, fall over. But as I looked over the, 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 uh, the protecting wall there, I started to get dizzy. I started to feel this queasiness in my heart. And I thought, I'm going to die. Like, it was really, it was just really, really weird. Like, you know, the world started spinning. And the reason is because I knew with my eyes how high I was. And in my heart, I was completely afraid. And I knew in my head, though, that I was secure, that I was not going to fall. And so the way things appear is not the way things are. And that's what we're going to look at here. That, uh, that when the psalmist cries out to God, where are you? He's looking at the appearance of things. He, he, because he sees the wicked prospering, because he sees that God isn't acting exactly when he wants them to act, when he wants, uh, when, when he wants God to act, for him, the appearance is God is not acting. God is absent. But now here in verse 12, he's reasserting what he knows in his head and what he ought to know in his heart that God is not far away, that he is near, and he does care. So what does that mean for us going forward? What can we learn from the psalmist here? How do we remind ourselves that things are not as they appear, but God is near? He is there, and he is going to act. How do we, how do we recenter ourselves the way that the psalmist does here? Uh, first, instead of complaining, complaining about what God is not doing, just pray. Just pray. Go to the Lord uh, and go to him and make your petitions and intercessions and, and requests known. I mean, if you look here, he's complaining at the, the first half. He's complaining to God. What are, where are you? Why are you so far away? Look at what the wicked are doing. But it's almost like he's catching himself. And he says, okay, 
arise, O God. Now he's asking God to be God. And that's what we got to do. Call upon his name. If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And again, I think this is a reminder from last Sunday. That he is as near to you as you call upon his name. If we would remember that, we would know that God is always near. That's why (laughs) pray always. Uh, Pray always is to to have his name uh, come out of your lips. I remember uh, spending some time with with, uh, Sam Folta, one of our missionaries. And I remember talking to him. We'd talk about all kinds of things, and I would say, you know, ask him all kinds of things about how can he trust the Lord when his life is on the line? That every person who asks him, where are you going when he's going to Bible study, that he tells them the truth and how he trusts the Lord that that person isn't going to turn him in and he's not going to be thrown into jail and tortured and even worse. And he told me, he said, you know, I just pray all the time. I just, you know, and so one time I said, can you pray for me? And so he, like in the middle of our conversation, it was really, really funny. I mean, it just shows the kind of prayer warrior that in the middle of our conversation, I'm like, oh, when you have time, you know, would you pray for me for this and this? And then he just stopped, like as I'm talking to him and he just prayed. He just opened, closed his eyes and prayed aloud, Lord, would you Lord, would you be with James in his, in his struggles and, and everything is going? And I was like, oh, okay. And then I closed my eyes and prayed too. Because at that moment, I know God is here. He's going to hear us. And I think that is one of the most important ways that when God feels far away because of appearances, that's not the way things are. We can go to him and pray and he is near. You draw near to him, he will draw near to you. James 4, 8. And then, if you look at verse 12 and 13, he calls upon the Lord and he remembers who God is. This is an important truth that we often forget. We we like to think of God in our own way And so when God doesn't fit the way that we think he is, we give up, right? So we do this all the time. When we pray, Lord, would you help me um, in this particular way? Would you give me the job that I want, right? Would you, uh, you know, would you make my life the way that I want? And And then when... God doesn't answer our prayer the way that we want. It means that God doesn't answer prayers at all. Like we kind of go overboard in the way that we think of God. But what we need to do is we need to remember who God is and how he has revealed himself to be and then pray in that truth. Look at what he says there. Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Right? And then he, he says, why do the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? Right? Why do the wicked you know, think that they can get away with everything? And then he remembers. Look at verse 14. But you do see, for you note mischief and vexation that you may take it into your hands. He's remembering that God is omniscient. God sees all. He's omnipotent. He, he, he is powerful over all. 
And he is going to bring justice in that situation. And we forget that, don't we? We forget who God is. And so when we pray, we pray with this default way of thinking, you know, that God is the way that we think he is rather than the way that he really is. And so look at, he, he pleads for God to, inter, to intervene. And he asks that God would not be blind. And he remembers that God loves the poor, the weak, the widow, and the orphan. And he will bring justice to whatever situation. And so he cries out to God to do what God has promised that he would always do. Look at the rest of verse 14. To you, the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. He's remembering all the passages from uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, throughout the prophets, throughout the uh, writings, that God always loves the widow, the orphan, the poor, and the needy. That that was a sign of a, the society's relative obedience to God. Their relative faith as a people of God. That if they treated the widow and the orphan and the poor and the needy, if they treated them well the way that God commanded them, it was a sign that they trusted the Lord and that they were obeying the Lord. And if they didn't, it's, it's really interesting. In the Old Covenant, one of the telltale signs that the people of God were breaking covenant with, with the Lord was when they were oppressing the widow and the orphan, when they were uh, committing acts of injustice and taking advantage of them. And so the... The psalmist here is remembering and praying in that truth that God is the God uh, to the widow and to the, to the fatherless. And that's how we must, that's what we have to do. So we need to call upon the Lord as we know him in his word and that he would answer uh, with his own justice. And look at what he goes on then to do in verse 15. He calls God to be God. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. To punish the wicked and to bring justice. So when we see all the evil and injustice in the world, let us remember that God is not blind, nor is he absent. He is in control. He will act now or he will act later. But in the end, he will bring justice. This is, this is uh, one of those truths that I think we have to remember as well is that some things will not get resolved in our lifetime, whatever that may be. Sometimes, you know, 
we've been wronged by someone in our family. Uh, sometimes things have happened in society that, that we feel brought injustice to us. And so we grow bitter. We get angry at God because things didn't work out the way that we wanted them to. We, want, we wanted justice now. Uh, and so what we need to remember is it doesn't mean, just because God isn't bringing justice now doesn't mean it's not ever going to come. And so part of the peace that we can have in any given situation is that the justice that God has promised is going to come at the end, if not now. Uh, that all the, the wrongs and injustices that people have experienced and, and that we've experienced personally in our lives, God is going to bring it all to light and he's going to bring justice there. And so that's why the wicked seem to prosper, right? Again, the, the way things appear are not the way things are. And so it seems like the wicked prosper, but as we see in scripture, when they prosper, it's actually a judgment of God. That God judges the wicked by giving them exactly what they want so that it will come back and fall upon their own heads. Um, and so when justice comes in our lifetime, it's, we ought to praise the Lord as well. You know, I remember being an intern at Independent Presbyterian Church uh, in 2005 to 2007. And one of the things that they do there is they have a, a pro-life committee and they get these buses. They, they um, reserve two large buses and they ask people to, to go. And so we drive overnight from Savannah, Georgia to Washington, D.C. for the March, March for Life. And we march. And I remember I went one year and going down uh, that great avenue that goes right, right across or right in front of uh, the, the Capitol building. Uh, it was so packed with people. It looked like it was a river of people just kind of flowing through. And I just remember how emotional I was. And I just remember praying to the Lord, Lord, you know, would you end Roe versus Wade? <laughs> and we thought it was just a pipe dream because it was supposedly uh, a constitutional right because the Supreme Court had deemed it so. But if you live by the sword, you die by the sword, right? If you live by the pen of the Supreme Court, you can die by it too. And so when Roe v. Wade was overturned, I remember I celebrated and I thought to myself, I never thought I would see that day. Doesn't mean that the, that the fight's not over, but I never thought I'd see that day. I mean, did you? <laughs> right? But, but it shows that God's justice can come even now. And one day it will come, it will be complete. And I, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I know that, 
that God is going to bring justice to you for all those poor, frail, defenseless, unborn children will rise up and they will praise the Lord for the justice he will bring to those who committed uh, those acts of murder. And so let us pray then and trust that God is near and active in the world. So the psalm now ends with a renewed confidence now. See, he's kind of building up. He's praying, he's remembering, he's calling upon the Lord to be the Lord, and then now he confesses in his prayer, the king, the Lord is is king forever. Do you see the, now he's confessing a renewed faith. God is not far away. God is not hiding himself. The Lord is king forever and ever, and the nations perish from his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, so that man who is of the earth, and here, it's really interesting that man who is of the earth, right? These are earthy men. These are men who are of the world. Will bring, will, will strike terror no more. God's justice will be complete. But the people who are not of the earth, those who are born again, those who are born of God's spirit, those who are citizens of of God's heavenly kingdom uh, will, will experience the blessing of God. And so this, then this psalm points us to that coming day in the fullness of time that God shows us that in the gospel, he will bring justice. He will bring justice first by grace in redeeming us, in his justice and mercy. This is, this is where justice and mercy come together. In order for us to receive grace, Jesus had to receive justice when he took upon himself our sin. He paid the penalty and the punishment and the wrath of God was poured upon him and completely exhausted so that we would be forgiven. And by faith, we would be credited with his righteousness so that our forgiveness is not an erasing of the ledgers of sin and righteousness, but it is in accord with justice, that justice was done when Jesus paid the price for our forgiveness. And because he experienced that great preview of the final day of justice on the cross 2,000 years ago on Calvary, it is a foretaste and a guarantee that at the end of history, God will bring justice and equity to the world when he returns to judge the world. And it is through then the gospel of his death on the cross, bearing the crown of thorns, being raised from the dead in resurrection glory. Uh, he ascended and now sits at God's right hand is King of King and Lord of Lords. The Lord is now King forever and ever. 
And from there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. And so we can know then that if we ever feel like God is far, it's because of our sin. And so Jesus, Jesus through the cross brings us near. Why? Because when he bore our sins on the cross, he became far from God so that we could be near to God. And when, so when Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is so that we might be brought near. Let me close with these words from Paul. But now in Christ, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. The way things appear are not the way they are. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this wonderful truth that when you feel far away, uh, through Christ, you are near, ever so near. You are with us. Help us to remember these truths. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.